today on From Me to Ziggy, Ashes to Ashes. Welcome to the Lady Ziggy. This is the podcast in which we listen to every single David Bowie song from A to Ziggy, just like the name of the show. Hmm. Um, my name is Thomas. And I'm Travis. And today we're discussing Ashes to Ashes, 1980. It's from the album Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. So this is one of those circle it on the list, get excited songs, mm. as far as I was concerned. Really? I love this song. Hmm. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm uh, I'm playing my cards close to the chest mm-hmm. in case you can't tell. I'm yeah, sorry. I got my poker face. You're not, on. You're not fanboying. I'm not uh, not gonna reveal too early on. Yeah. Um, Very professional. If you uh, if you have been listening to the podcast uh, up until this point, uh, early enough that it's pre cease and desist letter from the David Bowie estate <laughs> concerning our <laughs> intro opening and closing theme, then you may have an idea how, <laughs> how a, I feel about this song. It was a gutsy move. Yeah. Ashes to Ashes. Yeah. Let's talk about it. This is a sequel song. Yes. Oh, I have a proposal. All right. Very last minute. I'm going to drop this on you. Okay. Uh, let's try to talk about this song without talking about the song that preceded it. Thematically, that's gonna be hard, but okay. Because because we're in the letter A and we haven't gotten to yeah. A certain, oh man, a certain song that's gonna be hard. Yet that other song's not gonna be for another like we're jump- year or so. We're jumping into the franchise and we're missing the origin story. So here's how people can look at this. We're basically starting. We're talking about Star Wars Episode Four, and we're not gonna get to the prequels until quite a bit further down the line. Or maybe we're talking about episode seven without having seen episode four. Yeah. Which you can totally do. I guess. Yeah, you can totally <laughs> do it. I mean, well, I mean, you can. You're not going to be lost. But how would that even happen? That can happen. Uh, I know a person who saw episode seven without seeing episode four first. And according to him, you can totally follow it. But yeah, you, you could definitely follow it out seeing the first one. Yeah. But why would you? I mean, but yeah, challenge accepted. You could not be a Star Wars fan, but I guess again, why would you? Why would you do that? All right, cool. Yeah, so I don't know how we're gonna do it, but we're gonna do we're it. We're gonna try. So, this is an amazing song. This is one I hadn't heard in years, and then I bought a Best of Bowie that nothing has changed. Oh man, the what vinyl. a great. Yeah, and it came on. I was like, oh my god, I haven't heard the song forever. This is an amazing song. And again, it's very, it's very much something of its time it starts off with that like funky slap bass and some synthesizers and it just feels like it's ushering in the era of 80s synth pop it is real it's it's gearing you up for what's going to come for the next decade and just in time because it's it's right around it's at 1980 yeah so this came out on august 8th 1980 the single did yeah did the album come out before that uh, so it came out only about a month or so before. Okay, so the single came out before the album. Yeah, single came out August 8th. Album came out September 12th. Yeah, it was an intro to what was what was to come. Yeah, it's, so it starts out with the piano line. Yeah. Originally, they were going to try to get a Fender Rhodes stereo piano. I guess it's an, like an electric piano. But the studios was broken. I guess the sound was only coming out of one 
side. So instead they got a grand piano and then Tony Visconti used another one of his eventide special sound effect boxes, something called an instant flanger and rigged it up to the piano and created some stereo effects and gave it this sort of bouncy, warbly sound using sort of this this weird electronic uh, evolution of the Beatles auto double tracking yeah. uh, kind of thing. The Eventide Instant Flanger. So thanks to Eventide mm. for, again, creating cool new effects and sounds in David Bowie records. Uh, and then it continues on. There's a lot going on lyrically. Mm. And then a lot of it does center around um, how he beat his addictions in the late 70s. And so there's a, uh, in the in one of the verses, time and time again, I tell myself I'll stay clean tonight, but the little green wheels are following me. Oh, no, not again. I'm stuck with a valuable friend. I'm happy. Hope you're happy, too. Yeah, what is... What I'm not is, sure what he means by the little green wheels, little but green wheel. I interpreted that as, you know, he's telling himself, like, he's not going to, you know, do a bunch of coke or whatever he was doing in the in the 60s and 70s. They and sound, it's almost like the drugs are checking in with him and they're saying, oh, I'm happy. Hope you're happy. Oh, like, interesting. Uh, that was how I interpreted uh, parts of it. Because in the first verse, it's um, that is the message from the action man, I guess. And we can talk about certain elements of the background, the story. Of this. this is the story of a character called Major Tom, mm-hmm. who, what can we say about him that won't spoil space oddity? <laughs> uh, he, we won't say he's an... We won't say his occupation, but he is he is an action man for ground control, because those are words that come up yeah. in the lyrics. So he's, he's the action man, and they get a message from him. They haven't heard from him, from him in a while. And in, in the first verse, that I'm happy, hope you're happy too, is coming from him, from Major Tom. But you're saying in the, the later one, it's, uh, it's like, th- maybe those are the little green wheels, or the valuable friend. Uh, the drug addiction, basically, yeah. coming in and, and sort of taunting him. And actually, in, in the end, he uh, when he's chanting over and over, my mama said, to get things done, you better not mess with Major Tom. It's almost like he's using Major Tom as a, just a reference for drugs in general. Major Tom is not a hero or a role model, yeah. something you want to aspire to. It is. This is a cautionary tale. And it's one of those don't worship your heroes because they're damaged also. Yeah. Because at that time, you know, when when Space Oddity came out, astronauts were kind of heroes because it's like right around the time that we were walking on the moon. It was just this big dream of, you know, space space travel was a huge thing. And then this is sort of catching up with him later. And it turns out he, he just couldn't cope. He's returned from whatever mission he's been on. And he's he's a, he's broken now. It's like he's, co- he's, he's realized that he's peaked. Mm. So where do you go from there once you've traveled into space and now you're home? and You retreat, yeah, and you become... You're all strung out on heaven's high. Yeah. I'm having a hard time not just like saying over and over how much I love this freaking song. It's, so... it's just, it's, like, despite the darker themes, it's just a fun song to listen to. It's, it's funk to funky. Yeah. Cut a couple, couple notes on, on those lines. One, when he says funk to funky, the way he says funky, it's, it sounds like Henry from Punky Brewster talking to Punky. Punky? <laughs> funk to funky. All right. And, um, yeah, thank you for sharing because that's... Ne- I'm, never I'm gonna sorry, I'm going to ruin that song for you. I'm going to hear that. 
And then when I when I messaged my friend Corinne day that Bowie passed away, she was one of the couple people I was like, I need to make sure that she's not like freaking out right now. That was like her response was ashes to ashes, funk to funky. I was like, yeah, that's a very good response to that. Like, yeah, this mm. is horrible, but you know, life goes on. And I do, I, I just love the build up to the chorus and song. Like the, I'm assuming it's just Bowie's voice multi-tracked. The I'm happy, hope you're happy too. As far as I know, I don't know any other. Yeah, it doesn't make any mention about any credits. other vocalists. But yeah, I really, I just like the way it's all layered in there. All like. Oh yeah, this is another. Builds and builds and builds. Really layered track there's a lot of stuff to discover here on multiple lessons yeah. listens this is this is one of the there were some effects that just listening to it on my earbuds uh, walking over here there were some weird noises and effects in the background i had never really noticed before yeah and this song has been in my life for a long time yeah there's some um there's some percussion going on like uh is it a, like a wood block or something on the left channel that's i was picking up more of just like weird synth sound effects just yeah nothing that really went with the melody or anything just little things that were kind of going there's, on there's kind of a pad sounding string synth sound yeah um really echoey kind of sound which was apparently they uh the one of, one of the engineers larry alexander recommended taking taking this uh this synthesizer which was a pretty basic it had a really buzzy electronic sound to it he said take it out to the stairwell and record it from four stories down, and you'll have this great big echo, this long sustaining echo, re reverb sound to it, uh, and that's what they did, that's and that's brilliant. that's how they get the the great big expansive sound of the strings. Otherwise, it would just sound like you know a Casio keyboard, yeah, just buzzing. I really, oh god, and it, it it makes me feel like such a goddamn hipster, but like I really do appreciate, like, because before you had access to these great reverb pedals and little effects on computers you really had to get creative to do that kind of stuff like recording from four stories up or like when the beatles did within you without you recording it and playing the sitar track backwards just like little tricks and things like that that you had to do to get the effects that you desired and like i i definitely see the appeal of why people would do that now because it does feel like more of an accomplishment than just like clicking on something on your laptop did you ever hear that record of the guy i think he played flute and he took it into one of the great pyramids in giza in one of the burial chambers and recorded it there. So I've that he never had heard that. That sounds like it's incredible. Really, really long <laughs> sustain. Um, and so he would just like play a note, like part of the composition would just be play a note, listen to it. And, you know, it would just like continue making sounds in that huge chamber. I need to find that. That sounds really cool. What else about this song? So it, it follows this, the continuing story of this Major Tom character. Uh, there's a lot of childish, um, childishness yes. to Major Tom's behavior and, and attitudes. And I think that kind of ties in with the whole drug addiction thing, because one of the things that, that, that people with, with drug addictions generally, and I'm generalizing here and I apologize for stereotyping, but one of the things that, that is a com is common among drug addicts is you have like lower impulse control and uh, some of your behavior becomes kind of childish. And so that's, that's what Major Tom is kind of reverting to. And there's a lot of sing-songy kind of nursery rhyme sounds and the whole, like, the whole end part, yeah. the, the end refrain, my mother said to get things done, etc., is actually an adaptation of an old 
English nursery rhyme? Is it? Is it, it was. Um, says my mother said that I never should play with the gypsies in the wood. <laughs> right. Yeah, he said shortly after it was released that it's kind of an ode to childhood. A popular nursery rhyme. It's about spacemen becoming junkies. Which that, that's, a very, that's a great little uh, Thanks for insight. Thanks for us. It's a nice insight to his, to his sense of humor. <laughs> it's something that doesn't get talked about a lot. But something that was coming up in a lot of tributes after he passed away was about like how he does have this great sense of humor. So it was always really cool to see it come up. And actually, I was watching a live performance of it earlier where he was... Just kind of going on and on, talking to the crowd before he started playing about, oh, this song is from when I used to wear this crazy outfit. And he was describing, like, the clown outfit that he's wearing in the music video. Yeah. Yeah, just kind of rambling on and on and, then like, making little jokes at the audience and just kind of cracking himself up. And it was just another one of those, like, great windows into how hilarious David Bowie really was. Um, I think it was from his, it was from the VH1 Storytellers. Yeah, he had a real dry wit. Uh, what else? There's other childlike stuff. It's it's kind of subtle, subtly buried in there, but one of the things you'll often read about this song is that it's kind of modeled after a song from the musical Hans Christian Andersen, um, Inchworm, which was a song that Bowie liked when he was a kid. Danny Kaye sings Inchworm in the movie. Uh, and in the movie, he he plays Hans Christian Andersen. He, he passes by this schoolhouse full of children that are reciting uh, multiplication table or addition tables. And he passes by the schoolmaster, like, shoes him away from the window. And Hans heads over to a, a garden nearby. And there's another, there's a child who clearly isn't allowed to go to school or can't go to school, can't afford school or whatever. And he's just, he's blissfully watching this inchworm on, in the garden. And uh, Hans sits down next to him and starts singing to the inchworm. And as the, as the children are still singing this, the addition table over and over again, uh, he, he sings about the little inchworm and how it, it's crawling along as if it's measuring the flowers that it's moving against, measuring the marigolds. And it goes, inchworm, inchworm, measuring the marigolds. You and your arithmetic will probably go far. Inchworm, inchworm, measuring the marigolds. You'd think you'd stop and notice how beautiful they are. And that's the song. That's it. Um, it's just a simple little song. But uh, that, in the counterpoint with the, the children, mm. um, makes it kind of a, a cool, complex song. And it's, it's got this same sort of just really simple chord structure fluctuating between a couple of notes just like a half step apart which is kind of like the very end of um the verses in this song uh so that it's subtly it's subtly buried in there but it's still kind of relevant um, because again this is sort of a an allusion to childhood and how his aspirations in his career major tom's career brought him ultimately to kind of a sad end without you know some deeper meaning to his pursuits. At least that's what I saw in it. And here he is now at an all-time low. At an all-time low, which uh, I guess some people interpreted as being a nod to the album, though. That was that was a, another mention. Like oh, that was a mention that was on Wiki. It was just kind of like, eh, that feels like just people wanting to make connections. It's just a word. Yeah, because low was a few albums prior to this. I mean, maybe it's there because low was his, you know, first sober album. Yeah. 
Like maybe it's... Uh, yeah, I guess the theory was that this was kind of... Station to Station is Bowie in, in L.A. doing... Uh, or uh, Major Tom is Bowie in L.A., you know, strung out in Heaven's High. Yeah. And then cycling through through the full arc of drug addiction and withdrawal into, you know, something more solemn and introspective. This is Major Tom in Ashes to Ashes. Yeah. Interesting. But I don't believe it. I don't buy it. <laughs> no, no, it does seem like it, it just seemed like kind of a reach. But I mean it was you know, when I was it is something when like when you're listening to the lyrics and he says all time low and you're like, oh, like the album. But that's probably a coincidence. Like it just it's a thing that you notice but you don't really give any thought to. I actually never noticed that. I noticed I never it. thought about that. Now that you bring it up, I don't know how I missed it. <laughs> uh, but I still don't think it's relevant. Ah, oh, probably um, isn't. Probably just a coincidence. So there's also, there's a lot of uh, other interpretations of this song to get into. Well, actually, no, before we get into that, the music video. The music video. I definitely have to talk, talk about, about the that. music video. Because it was a groundbreaking thing at the time. Directed by David Mallet, who had done promotional films for Bowie's songs before. So yeah, that's another thing that people, I guess, people don't fully realize is, so MTV didn't come around until, eight, was it 81 or... A two, is that right? So and there, so there were music videos, but yeah, music videos were out. a thing before that. People, you know, just released promotional videos. Um, so this they was, would show at discos. Yeah, I don't really know and, where they would show them, honestly. But like, I know they existed. Right. Yeah, I don't really know what the forum was for them. I think there was channels that would have like just TV shows that would show the occasional video in them, Stuff like American Bandstand or whatever. Yeah, but so this was at the time the most expensive music video ever made. It was very, there was a lot of odd visuals. That, so it's um, kind of goes back and forth between being a black and white and the weird, like, it, the word they use in here is solarized, where it almost looks like you're looking through like an infrared, but in regular color. Yeah, it blows out all the levels. Yeah. So there's like really deep blacks. All the blacks are squashed and all the brighter things are all completely white. And then there's weird colors in between. Yeah. Like a lot of pinks. And there's uh, a lot of really neat scenes where he's singing and then holds up a picture and then he, everything freezes outside of the picture and all like, the picture he's holding is moving, which was a really ahead of its time kind of thing. And he's walking around in that weird, it's, it's I guess, kind of like a jester's outfit. Well, so there's, there's a history about this, this outfit. The, uh, what's it called? Pierrot? Which is uh, one of the classic pantomime characters in, you know, pantomime comedies from your way back. And so you can see a lot of old photos of people in outfits like this. And this is one of the things that I think Bowie picked up from Lindsay Kemp, his mime instructor. Like pre-David Bowie, he would do a lot of mime. And there was a show called Pierrot in Turquoise uh, that he did with his little folk trio. Uh, called turquoise and I think it involved him being dressed up as the Pierrot character, but there's yeah So this is this is a classic mime Character that he's dressed up as and I'm not sure what the relevance is to this album thematically or the video or any of that But I mean the video just seems like let's just make as many weird intense video uh, images as we can Yeah, I don't think it's even supposed to be following any kind of major themes just a lot of weird stuff it's kind of a on. surreal it's not necessarily a narrative 
Yeah, it's just it's very image based versus narrative based. Uh, and there's but there's a lot of room for interpretation. Yeah, so it kind of falls into that surrealist, inviting you to make your own story out of it. I I, I dig the neat images of the uh, they're referred to as the uh, the Blitz Kids. Um, the extras in the movie. Yeah, who uh, come in from the sides at the "If you're happy, I'm or hope you're happy, I'm happy too" lines, and then just kind of like disappearing. They're again one of those like weird little music video pleasures that I enjoy. Yeah, yeah, they're all sort of, and they're all dressed in kind of like funeral attire. Yeah, like, it's mortars. weird and haunting. So okay. the, the Blitz Kids are uh, just some kids that they found at the Blitz Club in London. So the Blitz Club would uh, hold these Bowie nights. Kids would come and hang out and listen to David Bowie music. And Bowie, one night, circled around the club and sent someone in to find people to be in this music video. And so the Blitz Club was one of these ultra-modern uh, new wave clubs. And these kids would hang out and be super cool and listen to the coolest, newest music and be into the coolest, newest fashions. And a lot of it would be, you know, inspired by late 70s Bowie, of course, because uh, he sort of led the way. And a lot of trends grew out of that and progressed further than that. But, you know, so Bowie was, you know, one of the forefathers of that whole yeah. movement. And here he was grabbing kids from that movement to co-opt that youth culture, the new romantics uh, movement from those kids and let, have them appear in the movie and just sort of like soak up some of that new cool. If you watch the, um, I think it was a BBC documentary um, from 2013 called Five Years. Uh, there's a lot of really cool um, interviews in that one. And there's one with Charles Shar Murray uh, who's a music journalist, and he mentions that uh, this was Bowie either co-opting a new phase of youth culture, like I said, that he'd inspired in the first place, or maybe, or, or like, so he was kind of like imitating his imitators, or maybe you could say he was just buying them off and getting them on board to like just you know, soak up that cool. I mean, it's still, it's very much in tune with all the things he's done of that along that line that we've talked about a couple times already before on here where he, he's a comedian. He, he inspires something and then he ends up drawing for them the thing that he inspired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he totally he is able to leap on the moment, you know, at just the right time. Yeah. And get in at the right time and get out at the right time. Maybe more critically. <laughs> <laughs> There's a cool move that uh, if you watch this video and then you watch the videos that come after it. Fashion, it appears in Fashion, it appears in Loving the Alien, uh, a lot of the music, and it appears in Dancing in the Street, uh, Bowie does it, and then Mick Jagger <laughs> copies him doing it. There's a move where they start out with their hand extended above their heads, and they come down and reach down towards the ground. Uh, and it kind of looks like a ceremonial move, some sort of uh, religious sanctifying the ground move. And you see it, you see one of the uh, Blitz kids do it uh, in front of the tractor when they're all walking in front of the tractor. And this person keeps doing it. They do it like three or four times in, in, a, in a row. It's like this weird, like, what's the story behind this move? And yeah. then Boa keeps doing it after that. Uh, and it, so it turns out the story behind this move, this really cool move, 
is that uh, the robes kept catching behind his, their foot and he was afraid the tractor was going to um, <laughs> get caught in the bulldozer. So they were extending their hand to lift the robe up off the ground <laughs> and then just sort of doing this dance-like move to sort of get it off the ground. One of culture's happy accidents. Yeah, and it's this really cool thing too. So the video looks really cool. It's got, and it incorporates a lot of the same kind of themes, like the, the whole drug addiction. He, you see Major Tom in a padded room. You know, he's in a, a hospital or something. Uh, you see a very 50s looking kitchen scene that goes wrong. He's like in his space capsule in the kitchen and then there's an explosion or something. You see, there's there's a scene that was inspired by imagery from Alien. Uh, there's a very Giger-esque Bowie strapped up with tubes going into him. And I think Bowie described this song as Major Tom wanting to go back into the, the womb, this retreat back into childhood. And that's that's kind of what that scene with the, the tubes and things yeah. is evocative of. As a video, it definitely... It, it kind of exists in this weird space where it's both extremely dated and holds up extremely well at the same time. I mean, it, it, I mean a lot of that is probably just a function of the effects were what they were because it was 1980. It's very um, video looking. It is very video looking. But there's a lot of weird stuff going on and it keeps your attention. But it might look like music video. It might look like a music video because it kind of invented that language yeah. that music videos would adopt from then on. The, the, all the effects, the video effects, heavily laid on there. Yeah, it did take the music the music promo video and made it a... Maybe that's the kind of thing that made someone say, oh, maybe we can make a channel out of this. Right. So, like we've been doing all along, we're going to give David Bowie credit for inventing another thing. David Bowie invented MTV. He didn't invent the music video, uh, because, of course, that was the Beatles. Yes. I hope someone takes the time to just keep a list of all the things that we give David Bowie credit for. He invented inventing. rap. He invented rap. He invented, uh, he invented grunge. Although I do kind of, I, I half redact or, or recant him inventing grunge because I, I do tend to give credit to um, Helter Skelter as being like the first grunge song. Hmm. But for the sake of argument, David Bowie invented grunge and now he's invented MTV. And there's got to be something else in there too. I feel like at least like once a week we talk about him inventing something. He invented the Nintendo 64. Yeah, that's the Nintendo 64. The idea of democracy in general. That was <laughs> David Bowie. Um, he invented cats, which is just because I'm looking at cats. Let's talk about some covers because there were some covers. Okay. Although I only really listened to a couple because there was a lot of things I hadn't even heard of. Um, well, and this is a super popular song. So it there's is. Gonna so be there's going to be a lot, lot of, covers. of covers. Oh, did Mick Karn do one? Indeed. How did I miss that? I love Mick Karn. Ah. Talk about Fretless Bass. I'm going to have to listen to that. Yeah. Oh, and I meant to listen to the Sneaker Pimps version, but I didn't. Uh, but I listened to the Perfect Circle version. Mm. Um, it was really good. Yeah, it was It was pretty metal, but well done. They made it their own, but it was very distinctly Bowie. It seems like a good theme. Yeah. For a, a for band a perfect called circle. A Perfect Circle. And then, so I subjected you to earlier, so it was sampled by Samantha Mumba and her song Body to Body. For people who aren't familiar with Samantha Mumba, so in the early 2000s pop music craze, from what I remember, so like if Britney Spears is Law and & Order and Christina Aguilera is CSI, 
Samantha Momo would be like NCIS New Orleans. Like, kind of following the formula, but once everyone was like, all right, we've already got enough of these already. And it is not very good. And that, and it was just following the same trend of that time where people were just taking other people's songs and singing their own words over them. And it's still a thing now, but it, this was when it was like really starting to become a thing. It was like right around the time that Puff Daddy had made it a very popular thing, actually doing it with Let's Dance and then doing it with Cashmere and then doing it with Every Breath You Take and take, taking hits from the 80s and just turning them into hip hop songs. So this was another in that long line of that like late 90s, early aughts tradition of let's take someone else's song and just sing our own crap over it. Except in hers, instead of singing ashes to ashes, funk to funky, we know Major Tom's a junkie. It's what was it she said? body to body, funk to funky, we know how to rock that body, I think was the lyrics. I didn't bother to leave the lyrics open because I don't want to pay that much attention to the lyrics. Yeah. And then she changed instead of my mama, my mama said, said to get things done. It's like my stay, mama said, stay in school. <laughs> stay in school. Like it'll be lots of fun. That's a good message. Or, and as my mama said, something about you're too young. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Have some fun. Have I don't no know. fun. I think it was have no fun. Yeah. Which sounded like a very sensible mama. Yeah. Oh, and this was the other one I didn't listen to. Oh, I meant to... Tears for Fears covered it. No, way. I should have. I, I was when I was looking at this list earlier. I was like, okay, I need to listen to all of these covers when I get home. And I totally forgot to listen to the Tears for Fears one. But I'm gonna go ahead and assume that it's amazing until further notice. Tears for Fears cover gets five stars, five golden uh, rays of sunshine. Yes, five women in chains. Five. Um. <laughs> Everybody's got a rule rule. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Ah, so bummed that I forgot to do that. But, yeah, probably incredible. So, but it, it is. It's such a popular song that a lot of people have done it. And, again, who can blame them because it's an amazing song. Um, more recent one, Amanda Palmer and Jarek Bischoff, just after Bowie died, came out with a uh, tribute EP where they covered a few David Bowie songs. You know, put it together pretty quickly. I think they had a Kickstarter for it. And yeah, it came out with this. It's basically string quartet and various vocalists. So um, Amanda Palmer sings Ashes to Ashes. And yeah, so it's it's a pretty stripped down version of it for a string quartet, but it's still pretty faithful. Uh, yeah. It's really well done. What else is there to say about this amazing, amazing song? I feel like this is, no, this is one of those that I'm going to be walking home and realize like 10 more things to note about it because it's just such a great song. You want like... Well, I mean, we can always do a sequel episode. We may have to do that. Down the line. Ashes we may Ashes have to. The return of the son of Electric Major Tom. At the very least, we'll have to do a prequel about it in like a year and a half or two yeah, years. Yeah, you know this is going to be a franchise. Yeah. So let's, uh, I guess let's rate it. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. I hope you're happy too. Yeah, let's see. What's a good unit? Uh, this this is just my personal opinion, uh, but this song earns five little green wheels. That's exactly five. what I was about to say, actually. So yes, that's funny. Yeah, I'm I glad we agree. five little green wheels for this song. 
All right. I think this is the first song that we've uh, come to a consensus on five. This might be the first consensus five. Yeah. So since we agree that that makes it a fact, this is a five. This is scientific fact that this is a perfect David Bowie song. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, this is, this is a story about one, one character named Major Tom, but um, it's a Tom <laughs> among many other Toms, uh, including a Tom McCaw. <laughs> no? <laughs> it's more than I got. So uh, why, not, why not come back <laughs> next time? Next time we're going to be discussing Atomica. Atomica is the next episode, and uh, it's going to round out the A's. Yeah, it's our last A episode. Um, but Monday, join us for the very our join us for the season finale of From A to Ziggy. <laughs> Should we on end a very on... special? <laughs> I, I guess next week we have to end with some kind of cliffhanger. In the meantime. Um, go ahead and go to facebook.com slash from A to Ziggy and like us. Follow us at from A to Ziggy on Twitter. Email us at, at uh, podcast at from A to Ziggy podcast at from A to Ziggy dot com. As I've already accidentally given that in reverse to this poor, I, I hope I run into this girl again sometime. This uh, very talented storyteller I did a show with. I was like, I, I'm really excited to hear that there's this David Bowie podcast. I'm going to email you and do the show. And I was like, oh, here's, it's from A to Z at podcast.com. So hopefully I can give her the correct email address someday. Hopefully whoever has that email address. Maybe it's he, this poor person who's just trying to do a podcast about Ziggy comics. And he's being inundated <laughs> with emails about David Bowie, which apparently would, I feel like would make a great Ziggy comic in and of itself. But you can contact us on all those channels. Um, Except for the one you can't. If you would like to come and talk about one of the many, many songs from Beyond that we're going to have coming up, you should contact us and come do that. So, yeah. Until next time, I am Travis. And I am Thomas. And this has been from A to Ziggy. Night, night. <laughs> Sleep tight. Love <laughs> you. That's true.